Welcome to episode 49 of the Amanda Wagner podcast. In this episode, we discuss reasons why we shy away from saying we are the best. We talk about the perks of owning your greatness and some of the downfalls, and we jam on different perspectives and how they are both a-okay for different people at different times. And in WWAWD, or What Would Amanda Wagner Do?, we answer a question from Eve about making mentorship count. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. If you've ever told someone that you're the best at what you do or that you're the number one choice, chances are you've been met with skepticism and, oh, that's nice, nod, or perhaps even laughter or an eye roll especially if you don't have a certificate, a trophy, or an award that says you are number one. And I bet because of these reactions, you don't say that you're the best very often. Maybe you share it with select people or to the people that you hire or in confidential spaces. In my Zoom room, I pull, I am the best out of people all the time. And sometimes it's like pulling teeth. We've been taught to resist talking about how good we are, because if we dare to talk about how good we are, we're perceived as egomaniacs. We are out of touch. We aren't humble. We aren't grateful. We aren't appreciative of what we have. We're snobs who think we're better than everybody else, even though the language I'm the best and I'm better than you is very different. If we really are the best at what we do, if we have something that others don't and have carved out a niche that we continue to build expertise in, tell me why we should keep that a secret. You've listened to my podcast before, attended a workshop, or been in my Zoom room. You know that when I see people hedging on what they want or struggling to take the next step, I take the words of my dad waiting for me to change lanes when I was learning to drive. And he asked me as I was shoulder checking my, and looking at my mirrors a million times, what are you waiting for? An invitation? If you are waiting for an invitation to say that you are the best at what you do, here it is. And don't just take it from me. Let's hear it from Reese Witherspoon. In a recent article in InStyle magazine, she was asked by Gail King, what is it like to be a badass? And she responded, I've said this to Oprah before, but LeBron James doesn't go, I'm kind of sort of good at basketball. He's like, I'm the best there ever was. So yes, I do think I'm very good at what I do. I've been doing it for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. Give me the ball. Liz, why do you think people resist saying that they are the best? I think usually it's a matter of humility. I think most of us are raised to be humble people. Or 
people have avoided saying it for so long that it's become kind of this mind warp. And now they believe they're actually not the best because they've been conditioned to not say it over and over. So they now believe that. And I feel like they have to exist at opposite ends of the spectrum we've created where either you're humble or you're an ego-driven asshole. To say you're the best means you aren't humble. And to be humble means you couldn't dare say that you're really, really good at something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like you're, you, you have to be either or. There's no in between, which is a really strange thing to, to think about. Right. And I want to argue for some in-betweenness, right? When I go to therapy, I'm a very black and white thinker. And I often say therapy is my way. I pay for the gray. I pay for somebody to teach me that there is gray area in between this. What I find fascinating about this Reese Witherspoon quote is that she says, LeBron James doesn't go, I'm kind of sort of good. He says, I'm the best there ever was. And even then she resists saying I'm the best. She says, So yes, I do think I'm very good at what I do. So there's still a hedging that happens. No shade to Reese whatsoever. Love your book club picks. If you ever want to jam on being the best, I'm here for you. But I think this is an example of how we need to find some gray area where you can still be humble and grateful and caring and love your life while still wanting more and being the best. So I started to play with this question of what could happen if I started telling people that I was the best? Let's play with the positive. If I started telling people and believing and acting as though I am the best, I'm not just saying I'm the best at basketball, but can't actually do a layup. No, this is real. I deliver on what I am doing and that's why I'm the best. So if I started telling people that I was the best at what I do, because I believe that I'm really, really damn good at it. I could raise my rates. I could have more attention on me. I could find my people and I could weed out the ones who think I'm an egomaniac. I could more confidently present myself in the world. I could stop paying attention to people who don't get a say. I could brush off any haters who don't agree with me or who do think I have a big ego. I could continue performing at a really high level because if I'm going to talk a big game, I'm also going to walk the walk. Liz, what else could happen if you started telling people you're the best? I think if you say that you're the best and you truly believe you are the best, I think you probably bounce back easier. If, if something goes wrong, if you make a mistake, if you stumble, you brush it off. I'm the best. I've got this next thing. Right. Yeah. Bounce back that resiliency, right? It's like, oh, I'm still going to experience a pitfall in some way, but I'm the best. I will bounce back. Now there's still risks to telling people that you're the best. If I started telling people that I was the best, if I started acting in this way, people could think, I'm a huge snob. I could alienate myself from others. I run the risk of people thinking that I think I'm better than them. I could 
fall flat on my face. If I don't perform the best, I could have every single mistake scrutinized. What else could happen if you started telling people we're the best and you couldn't deliver? Because so few people say they're the best or admit that they're the best by doing it, you can be less relatable Yeah. in a world where authenticity and relatability is so important. That would be a a big mark against it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People could think you aren't, you aren't relatable that, and this is something that I've said in the podcast before. What if, what if I am one in a million? What if people listening right now really think that they are one in a million people or one in a thousand people? Does that mean that we can no longer connect with people who don't believe that? I don't think that's true, but I think that that's one of the fears that's created. I think if you started telling people you were the best, there can be this high sense of having to prove it in every single moment. So I think about people I see on Instagram and it's just like you said, the level of, of authenticity and being real. If I say I'm the best, can I still share a picture of me crying or having a bad day? The pressure you bring on yourself by putting yourself in that category of that, this high performing person, I think that could be difficult for some people, the pressure they've put on. And I think there's a a risk that people then are just waiting for us to fail. And I think that's like a self-imposed mind thing. But if I say I'm the best, am I just waiting? Is somebody waiting for me to fall so that they can prove you said this and now you're actually not the best? This is a hard topic, but one that I wanted to bring up and a discussion that I wanted to have, because like I said, when I have individual people in my Zoom room, they know they're the best. They're just afraid to say it. And I am not suggesting that you have to go out in the world and tell every person you meet that you are the best. I'm trying to build some comfort with it, that being the best and feeling like the best and charging like the best doesn't mean you aren't humble or grateful or kind or a good person. There is room within this, this spectrum. I have hired somebody for a, like a specialty photo shoot in spring of next year. And she happens to have been a client of mine. And she asked me when I hired her, she said, are you sure you want me for this? And I said, okay, half an hour ago, when you were in my zoom room as a client, You just told me you are the best at this. Of course I want you. So I think there's a, we get to turn it on and off sometimes that in certain situations in really safe places, we're confident saying we're the best at it. And we're confident in saying we're the best at something when we land a big contract or get the best client or win an award. That's when we get to say we're the best. But if something bad happens, all of a sudden, we're back to zero. We better be humble. And I want to build out some space here. I came across something on Instagram that I I sent to Liz just this morning and said, we need to talk about this. So bear with me as I read a couple sentences from this post. The original author is Jamie Varon. And hear me out. Liz and I are going to discuss this in detail here. She says, How about you don't have to build an empire or dominate the industry? 
or be the number one at anything? What if you simply built a lovely life that makes you feel happy, that brings you joy, that is generative and supportive? What if you healed the parts of you that need more and more and more? What if you redefined what success looks like and feels like to you? What if you decided enough is enough? What if you felt satisfied in the right here, the right now? What if you realized your life is likely a lot closer to your ideal than you ever thought? What if changing the filter in which you view your life makes everything that much more vibrant? How much open, empty space would be left for your joy if you stopped thinking you need to earn it? How much time could you spend in the actual living of your life if you let go of striving for more? How much more beautiful would this moment right here become for you? <sighs> Heavy sigh. I read this and I knew we had to talk about it because I think this is again, one end of the spectrum. When I read the sentence, what if you decided enough is enough? I got my back up a little bit and I thought, but what if for me, I do want more? Asking myself the same question that she ends with, which is how much more beautiful would this moment right here become for you if I do want more? If I do want to build an empire, if I do want to be the number one at something, there isn't one way to create a beautiful life. Liz, you read this same passage and I know you got something different from it. Let us in on what you're thinking. I, lo I loved this post. I thought it was, was really lovely and I really identified with it because mm -hmm. while I, I am an ambitious person and I admire those with ambition, I'm really content right now. Mm -hmm. I think the pandemic has really strengthened that idea for me. Mm -hmm. There's been less pushing and pushing and going and going and hustling barf at that word, but yeah. I've really kind of come to understand myself better over the last year and a half. And I'm not pushing as hard because I don't want that right now. Right. I think I've just had a, a better understanding of who I am and what I want and when I want it. And I don't want more enough is enough for me at this moment. That's the key. You yep. said right now at yep. this moment, here mm -hmm. is where I am. And this is where I'm like pleading for flexibility. Yes. Because there are different times in our lives. There are different empire building times and times to exist in the content moments. And the one sentence that sticks out to me here is what if you realize your life is likely a lot closer to your ideal than you ever thought? I think my life is a lot closer to my ideal than I ever thought. And I still want more. And part of the reason that my life is so close to this ideal is because I'm in this relentless pursuit of more. So I don't think that ambition and contentment are at two ends of the, the spectrum. This isn't a, a pendulum that has to swing one way or the other. And so 
I guess what I wanted to do in talking about this and connecting it to the idea of being the best is to play with some gray area and that we get to choose based on different times in our lives. Liz, how were you different before the pandemic, do you think? Well, the timing was all kind of bananas for me. I launched my business in December, 2019. And then of course the pandemic started uh, March, 2020. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like boots to the ground. I was, I was working really, really hard to get my business off of the ground. I had just moved everything. Everything happened at the same time. Yes. Uh, But now that I've, I've settled into the business I, you know, I'm teaching, which is really wonderful as well. So I I have that as part of my, my work and as part of my income, I am fortunate to be able to take my foot off the gas a bit. I'm doing work that's really satisfying and I don't feel the need to go, go, go right now. Right. I'll, I'll do that again at some point. I'm not sure when that is but I'm satisfied in in the right here, right now. And that's just the way kind of life and work and the world we live in and everything coming together has put me in this headspace right now. For sure. I think it's important. I was going to say major life changed. You, You moved cities and provinces and that is not a small feat, never mind to then three months later face the beginning of a pandemic and not have the same support network or be able to build that. And similar to you, I launched the Amanda Wagner January, 2020, right? Great plans of what this could look like and having to move very quickly. So I think that when we we face different circumstances or points in our lives, I want people who are fiercely ambitious and perhaps the, the addendum here is, fiercely ambitious and actively pursuing something more because Liz, I know you're fiercely ambitious. And at this moment, your foot isn't, you don't have both feet on the gas intentionally. It doesn't mean you're less ambitious because I think that people with ambition, I think of it as a pilot light. We all have this pilot light. We decide, or we put ourselves in situations or seek opportunities that will either pour gasoline on that pilot light or let it burn as it is. But I think this connects with talking about or building comfort in being the best because there's also a sense of I'm, I'm the best and I'm content. So I feel like I've created this very ugly diagram of I'm the best and I want more. I'm the best and I'm content. I'm content and I want more. Sometimes my foot's on the gas here. Sometimes my foot's on the brake. So I'm very intentionally muddying waters here. But I'm curious to know why it's so hard for people to, to own their greatness. And if it's something we've been taught, if it's something we've learned by accident, if it's something we've seen modeled, undoubtedly there are gender differences. I think it's a combination of all of those things. Yeah. And I think the, the ratios 
in that equation are different for everybody too. Yeah. And at different times, right? There are inevitably times where we speed up and slow down from a, a basic business perspective. There are seasons in different people's businesses, I know that January to March is is a slow season for photographers. And yet for for strategists and coaches, this is like prime time because we've just finished New Year's resolution season and people want to make changes in their lives. So there there are different, different times that exist. And yes, I wish I could put this in a little bow and say, here's the answer. Here's the template sentence to just insert your name and what you do and why you're the best. And I guess what I'm calling for is to, to reduce some of the judgment on saying you're the best on how others will say they're the best and to bring in some humanness, which is that if I say I'm the best, it doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean I'm a robot. I have a, I I have a ton of post-it notes on my desk. As you can imagine, I have here powerhouse trailblazing women still make mistakes. The people we look up to most still make mistakes. And there are times when they still pump the brakes or when they go two feet on the gas to move forward. Our circumstances and our lives change. And so I am definitely not here. I am by no means calling out Jamie Barron. I think this is beautifully written. And I think it leaves room for some interpretation. I think it leaves room for me to, to look at this and say, maybe this isn't my goal for right now, or maybe this isn't my goal forever, but this is one way to exist. And I get to pick and choose what works about it, what I like about it, but I never have to exist in this place or in any other place forever. The purpose of today's conversation is to explore the gray area because I know that our episodes sometimes go from very strategic, here's 10 steps, all the way to sort of a a loosey-goosey evolving discussion. And this is one of those evolving discussions. So when we find these little pieces, I think we have an opportunity to read them and think about how they impact our lives, but not necessarily judge what we're doing or how we're doing it. It would be very, very easy for me to read this and go, holy shit, I'm doing it wrong. I've made a huge mistake. Enough should be enough for me. Why isn't it? And I could fault myself and judge myself and try and fit myself into this box Or I can look at it and I can pick the pieces that I like and that work for right now. And maybe I'll read it again in three months and go, oh, I'm in a different place in my life. Now this piece really connects with me. But it's it's finding some of that gray area and being able to be humble and admit you're the best. Be grateful and want more. And to have some space to play in that gray area. So here's what I'd love to know from our listeners. I would love for you to read this piece and tell us how does it connect with you in this moment that you are at? You don't have to love it or hate it. You don't have to pick a side. Instead, I want to continue the discussion and flush out some of this gray area in hopes that the super want more, I want it all, I want it now, impatient 
people who are fiercely ambitious and want it all now, I want them to find some comfort here. And I want people who live and die by what this, this woman has said to also feel comfort. We will share this post in the show notes as well. We will post it on Instagram so that you can read it. And I want you to join this discussion. I think there are many layers to be explored here. And I would love to hear what you think. Now, time to see what Amanda thinks about today's WWAWD. This question comes from Eve, who says, how do you ask someone to be your mentor? There's someone I really admire in my industry, but I'm intimidated by her. But that's why I want her to be my mentor. Any tips for how to ask her and how to make that mentorship meaningful? Oh, I love some don't ask, don't get here, Eve. I'm delighted to know that you are are looking for a mentor. And before you get to the ask, what I would suggest is to sit back and figure out what are you hoping to get from this relationship? Mentorship relationships can look really different. For some people, it's meeting for an hour a month. For some people, it's weekly check-ins or job shadowing. So I would get really clear on this person that I admire and am intimidated by. What do I want to learn from her? What do I want to watch her do or for her to teach me? Because that's where you'll be able to start building your ask from. The ask that you're looking for here is you are saying, I'd love for you to be my mentor. And here's what I'm hoping to learn. Give me some bullet points. And then asking this person, is this something that you have space for? Because this person might say, yes, I have space for it once a month. Or yes, I have space for it, but six months down the road. So I want you to play with the potential scenarios of what this could look like for you. What could it look like for her? And I always will say that what is it that you can offer her in return? knowing that in a mentor-mentee relationship, typically you are soaking up everything from your mentor, but there is an opportunity to provide this person with some value as well. So what could you do for her in terms of supporting her and what she's doing? It might be small things like, I'm willing to come to your office or your space, or I'm happy to meet in the evening via Zoom if that's a better time for you. Another thing that you might be able to offer this person is the opportunity to be a mentor and to be able to say, this is what I'm looking for. Will you help me out? Because many people in the community are looking to give back and they want a way to do that. I hope this is helpful, Eve. Most importantly, figure out what you want from this person. And if you can't get it from this person and you really want a mentor, consider who else you may be able to get it from. Maybe it's another person, maybe it's a podcast, or maybe it's a, it's a conversation with somebody else. There are many ways to inform your own personal growth. And I encourage you to explore all of these options. Thanks so much for your question, Eve. Please keep sending them our way. You can submit them via the website, theamandawagner.com. There's a contact form on there, or you can send a DM on Instagram at theamandawagner. If you are one of those people that's listening to this deep dive conversation and wants to be a part of more talks like this, Know My Name is designed for people like you. 
It is for people who want to dig into and discuss and explore ideas related to our ambition, becoming a big deal, being a leader in your industry. And starting in January 2022, ambitious humans like you and I are going to meet twice per month. And in this Zoom room, we are going to jam on big ideas like this. Everything from a tool or a strategy to exploring and discussing a big idea and how it can help propel us forward. That's what you can expect to see. If you are interested, please send us a DM on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner, and we will send you all the details. And if you're curious about making your social media channels better or you need help with your newsletter or your blog, connect with me on Instagram at Liz Pittman. This has been episode 49, which means that there is one episode left this year. I am over the moon to say that we are almost wrapping up our second year in podcasting together. Episode 50 is one of these beautiful interviews that Liz prepares. I come into blind and we get to talk about what the last year and now two years has been like. Liz is shaking her head like crazy here. I can't believe we've been doing this for two years. I know. I'm such a stickler for consistency. And there have been many moments where it would have been easier to phone it in and say, forget the podcast. This isn't worth it. And here we are. Here we are. It's been two years and we will be back in two weeks with episode 50. Until then, then, friends, as always, we will see you on the internet. been two years I can't believe that obviously I knew that but when you said that it was like whoa (laughs) yeah two years is a long time and 50 episodes every two weeks for two years that's I'm proud of us me too there would have been many moments where it would have been easier to quit yeah and here we are yay yay